0: We had a chance on the way in to pick up uh, a bulletin it's really good, thanks Sue Sue is the author of this not me, she does a great job I give her help points or information but she does all the creating which is awesome thank you I'm grateful for all of all of you plus our leaders, Albert and Adrian, Brian and Kevin, John and Dave Zuter and all the church council, Karen and Dave Peggidis. who are part of our church council this year. God has been good to us. Amen. I just had the report that, I don't know some of you probably have already heard, but uh, Huga County has been uh, raised to level three again you know and uh... no but some churches who were meeting have closed down in lakewood almost uh... 15 or 20 of them and uh... the schools were supposed to start uh monday lakewood schools have decided not to start so they're going in cleveland schools all the kids are cheering no I'm teasing <laughs> I think all the kids now want to go back more than anything. After they have a little bit of of virtual Zoom meetings that hardly ever work. (laughs) And the computers they give them have a hard time starting up and then connecting with everything that's going on. So it gets a little crazy. Let's keep uh, that stuff in our prayers. Amen? So... We've been in a series that I've called Jesus, the song of you. The song of you. Jesus, the song of you. Because the gospel is the song of you. Last week we talked about Jesus as our gift of righteousness. We talked about him, Jesus, being our great exchange. How many remember that? And so I'd like to talk a little bit more about who Jesus is. If that's okay with you. But the gospel is the song of you, a song written and composed before the foundation of the earth to win you from a life of death and sin into a life of light and love. I don't know who wouldn't want that, you know. Let's leave death and sin and let's move to light and love. Amen. Put in Zephaniah, I used this scripture last week in the Amplified, Zephaniah chapter 3 verses 14 through 17, it says, Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice in high spirits and glory with all your hearts, O daughter of Jerusalem in that day. For the Lord has taken away judgments against you. And we all can say thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. I like that little amen over there. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, even the Lord Himself, is in your midst. You will no longer fear disaster. In that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, O Zion. How many know we're a part of Zion? And do not let your hands fall limp. For the Lord your God is in your midst. A warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. And that's where I get the line, Jesus is the song of you. He will quiet. He will be quiet in His love, making no mention of your past sins. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I like to start with Jesus is our faith. Jesus is our faith, and I'll explain that to you here. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 in the New King James. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I mean, we can't see them, but the Bible declares they're here. They're all around us. And who's in the cloud? Everybody we've known that has gone on before us. Cheering us on from the other side. Cheer us, cheer us, cheering us on. Amen? And let us, it says, then let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now there's a comma there, so the next verse is really a part of verse 1, which says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. Strong statement. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, because he said in John nineteen thirty, when he was dying on the cross, it is finished. Jesus did his part, and he did what he had to do for us, Amen? And salvation for the whole world. But you know, I, I just keep thinking that now that he is, you know, up in heaven but also reigning in us, I don't believe it's the end. I believe it's just the beginning. Of the many things that God... How many, how many know God is doing marvelous things throughout the world? Through all of His people that know Him. So it wasn't the end. It was actually many ends become many beginnings. New things start taking place. But it says that. Great cloud of witnesses. Let us just fix our eyes on Jesus. Our faith pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of Him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. For many have wrongly taught that we have to muster up faith to believe this mighty work of the cross of Jesus Christ that somehow when things don't happen, it's our fault. I personally lived in that kind of fear for years that my faith wasn't Good enough. Wasn't great enough. My belief wasn't strong enough. And we hear stories about the mustard seed of faith in Luke 17.6 that Jesus insists all we need to do to move a mountain from here to there is have a little mustard seed faith. I don't know if you remember years ago, Dr. Phil came here and he did a teaching on the mustard seed and he passed out a little seed to all of us. A little, little must so small that you could hardly even see it. It's so tiny. But I know I stood at the mountain both spiritually and figuratively and it neither moved. I was exercising faith so hard that sweat was pouring from my body and nothing was happening. And I know I am not alone in this, but this thinking was brought on because we were raised in incorrect theology and dogma. Let's turn to Ephesians Chapter 2, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, New King James. It says, For by grace you have been saved. How many can say amen to that? Through faith, and that not of yourselves, It is a gift of God. Not of works. Not of something that we have done or will do. Not something that we will earn. Amen? Lest anyone should boast. So Jesus, again, is emphasized that He is our faith. He was the mustard seed that is buried in the earth that erupted from the grace as a new creation. And you with Him. He moved a mountain of a rock to be with us in union, He ascended to our Father and took us with Him because He says even today in that same chapter that we are seated together in heavenly places. Right now. You know, sometimes you can't sense that in the natural. But in the spiritual sense of who you are in Christ as a new creation, born of the Spirit, born from above, we are all now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He is... Jesus is your faith in those challenging moments, holding you up, even when you feel like falling. He's always there. He said to us, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He also said to us, He would never leave us nor forsake us. Those are His promises. And those are the things you have to remember in the moments when you're struggling. He is your faith when you mourn in your tears and in your strength. He is your faith even when you don't believe. He is helping you. He comes he comes right alongside of us and helps us through, because it says that nothing can separate you from God's faith in you. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I'll read it from the Amplified, but you can turn with your Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and through the end, 28 through 38. And, and we know, with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to His plan and purpose. For those whom He foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, He is also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son and ultimately share in His complete sanctification so that He would be the firstborn the most beloved and honored among many believers. Verse 30, And those whom He predestined, He also called, and those whom He called, He justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom He justified, He also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. A heavenly dignity. Verse 31 says, What then shall we say to all these things? If God before us, Who can be successfully against us? He who did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? And who will bring any charge against God's elect, His chosen ones? It is God who justifies us, declaring us blameless and putting us in right relationship with Himself. Who is He? Who is the one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty. And more than that, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, interceding with the Father for us. Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or COVID, or nakedness, or danger, or sword just as it is written and forever remains written, for Your sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through Him who loved us so much that He died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present Say that. Nor things present. Nor things present. Any threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you that the Amplified really does a good job on that Scripture. And so you can also say, not even you. Nothing you can do will make Him forsake you. <coughs> That's how He is. Jesus is our faith. Amen? My next point is Jesus is your strength. And I'm going to use Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 31 out of the CEB, which I don't know if I have, we have the right version for you, but we're going to try. We'll see. I'll read it and you let me know if it if it's working for you. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly up on wings like eagles. And they will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. Is that up there? Oh, John's trying. Verse 1, Isaiah 41, only. 40 verse 1 and 40 verse 31. Just the two verses are the ones I quoted. But most of us fall back to the first instinct of calling on the Lord when things don't seem to be going our way. See, most people see God as the tire in the trunk. When the car's running really good, we don't need the spare tire. Amen? But when we get a flat, man, we can't wait to run to that trunk, open that trunk and get our, used to be a tire, but now it's just a donut. They call it a donut tire. It only gets you from a few feet to another place and then, you know, you don't go too far on it because they want you to buy their other tire. (laughs) They make sure it's not a tire you put in there. Especially if it's a new car, amen? But that's the way people are with the Lord. I mean, if things are going good, they don't even call on them. They don't talk to them. They don't pray to them. They don't read the word. But when things start getting rough, you know, and they start facing some kind of sickness or they're facing some kind of disruption in their, you know, regular routine of life, all of a sudden God gets popular. Amen. He's like a spare tire for most people. We plead for strength in our weakness, healing in our sickness and life in our death. But truthfully though, These responses are a result of our lack of knowledge about who we are. Because Jesus truly has become our strength and faced every challenge you would. He opened His arms to hold you tight during your despair and covered you with massive wings when you were cold. In the physical realm, we live in and we face trouble and evil, people starving, freezing to death, and much more. And all of these exist because humanity has been taught incorrectly. And those who penetrate evil operating from a lack of knowledge of who we are in the created works of God. But when we realize who we are, we produce good fruit. And when we are in our ignorant state of mind, we produce not. And with this said, when you are in Jesus, He becomes your strength. You actually become superwoman or superman in Jesus. Because He exchanged His strength for your weakness. Jesus is our strength in times of weakness. He is even your strength in times of strength. He is our all in all. Amen? Also, Jesus is our dwelling place. Let's go to Psalm 90. Psalm 90 in New King James. Peace must be on. Psalm 90. Verse 1 and 2. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all, say all, in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, Forever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And you are our dwelling place. See, to dwell sounds like, for me, home. Unless your home life wasn't the greatest, in which case you might think of a place like those things they show you on TV in the commercials, the Sands commercials. You know, and you say, that's my home over there. <laughs> but when I think of home, I think of a hot day while I'm laying on a float in our pool, relaxing in the cool water, and the only noise I hear are the birds in the trees talking to one another. In all generations, past to present, God has been our dwelling place. You are not excluded in Him. In Him, you can snuggle up to the most comfortable couch... Enjoy the warmth of a toasty fire and be refreshed by the coolest breeze. In Him there is no striving, only rest. And in that rest, there is joy. And in that joy, there is peace. You are so important to the God of the universe because you are not disposable or replaceable. His joy in you is not fulfilled until you have found joy in Him. He is the place of comfort, relaxation, and rest. And He will always be your dwelling place. Always. Let's go to 1 Kings. I haven't been there for a while. 1 Kings 19. I love Kings. A lot of good stories in here. A lot of great adventures. Amen. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. My Bible don't want to work today. Okay, 19:11 through 11 and
1: 12.
0: God's revelation to Elijah. Then He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire... But the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still, small voice. I want you to know something. Jesus is our whisper. Jesus is our whisper. Through the Trinity, God has been in a constant union forever, forehead to forehead, eye to eye speaking to each other for eternity. In their communion, galaxies were formed, stars, the earth. Do you know how many it's been predicted? Do you know how many galaxies they predict are in existence in the, in the life of our existence today? Two trillion galaxies. Two trillion galaxies. And more are being created every day. And they also say that they are inhabited by spiritual beings. Their greatest creation is you and God wasn't about to lose you. So today or later tonight, I want you to go home and I want you to read Psalm 139. Read your favorite version and pick up two or three other translations and read it in other other ways. Different ones, and read it again and again. For God, for Jesus, He leans into us face to face. Forehead to forehead. Because He doesn't need to yell. How many know what intimacy means? Yeah, Bishop Joe Garlington years ago wrote, the best way to define intimacy is into me, See, into me see. Why? Because when you are face to face with someone you hold dear, you only need to whisper. So today Jesus is face to face with you. His eyes are peering into yours and He speaks in a still small voice to get your attention. Jesus is our understanding Just experiment with somebody you love very deeply when nobody's looking if you want to, but it's up to you. And just go forehead to forehead with them. Go face to face with them. I mean, you don't need to shout. You don't need to yell. Because if you yell or shout, you'll scare them away. Amen? And then let's talk about Jesus is our understanding. In Philippians chapter 4, 4-7, through 7, you can read it in your version. I mean, John should be putting up the CEB if he has it. Jesus is our understanding. It says, be glad in the Lord always. Again I say, be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. I love that. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Then, the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. See, for centuries, man has tried to define who Jesus was and is. The only problem with this is that discovering Jesus has been more of an academic experience rather than an abiding one. One of knowing Him. One of having intimacy with Him. One of forehead to forehead, face to face, in relationship with Him. And we attempt to understand who Jesus is through knowledge, writings, and historical accounts, but you can only learn so much from this type of study. Have you ever just sat in the quiet, eyes closed, and your mind just totally focused on Jesus? I believe you'll learn more from one-on-one time than you'll ever learn from academic study. Because I know people who have five times academic, five times PhDs, and they still can't explain God well. It is impossible to learn the heart of someone through the mind only. We can think we can get it, but that still small voice of the Holy Spirit truly teaches us. Let's go to John 16. John 16. Verses 13 through 15 in the New King James. John 16. I love John 16. That talks about the Holy Spirit. But verse 13, it says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I say that He will take of Mine and declare it to you. Like Mary the Mary and Martha story. Let's turn to that story in Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. Verses 38-42. through 42. But like Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus, we must rest to fully understand the motivations of God. Even then, we can only partially grasp it. It says... In Luke 10.38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. So we see what? Martha and Mary. Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Much like our world today, they're very distracted. Because we we're, we're living in an information overload society. I mean, information overload. Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached Him and said, Lord, don't You care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part. So he's not saying that serving is wrong. But when Jesus is around, let's go face to face. Let's take some time and rest and let Him speak to us. Let's quietly find a place where we can just sit in quiet. Shut off the TV. Amen? Shut off all the interferencing voices and allow Him to whisper in our ear and talk to us about things He wants for us. Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. See, our understanding of God is completely wrapped up in Jesus. He is the fullness of the deity in bodily form. And He rests in you and I because He lives inside of us. Amen? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. My next point on Jesus. Jesus said, you are His masterpiece. You are His masterpiece. And I'll be reading to you from the New Living Translation. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Wow. People always ask me, you know, what do I have to do to please God? Well, Jesus said in John, all you have to do is believe. And that is not even a work. It's a gift. Because God gives you the faith. He gives you the belief system. Once you accept them, everything changes and your belief starts changing. It says in this version, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece, not a throwaway piece. You're not disposable. You're not replaceable. You are beautiful, lovely, desirable to the Lord, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus did. Not because of what you haven't done, but because of Jesus. He looks through the exterior no matter how rough and finds the diamond that is hidden deep inside of us. He makes His house near that diamond. The darkness you once had has been abolished by the light, it says in John 3.19. And now you are the city on a hill lit up so that everyone can see you, Matthew 5.14. You might not be what you think you should be, but Jesus sees you as complete in Him. Colossians 2, 8, 9, and 10. And your completeness is not tied to what you do. Just like a canvas cannot force paint strokes without the aid of the artist. Your place in Him has nothing to do with works, but everything to do with His faith in you. He created the heavens and the stars, the moon and the sun and all of creation. And yet He still held you up beside all of this and called you His greatest creation. Greater than the stars. The moon, the sun. His masterpiece. Let's go to Exodus. Chapter 25. Exodus 25, verse 30. I'll read it to you from the CEB. I don't know if it's up there. Set the bread of His presence on the table so it is always in front of us. My last point about Jesus is, maybe not the last, I might have a couple more. But Jesus is our showbread. Jesus is our showbread. You take that Scripture and you couple it with John 6.35 in the CEB. It says, Jesus replied, John 6.35 CEB, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And you heard, you have heard that Jesus is the bread of life. But the implications of that are more far reaching than one first could ever, you know, witness to us. In the temple forged by human hands was a table and upon that table sat a candle light that stayed lit at all times. In front of that cap- candle was a loaf of bread called the showbread translated the bread of His presence. The bread never left that table. And once a week, it was refreshed with new bread. Because God is all about something new. That's why I believe we live in a new day. Why people are looking for an end day. Or an end of the ages. When Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 says, The end of the ages happened on the cross. It's that it, that your Bible says it. And the old bread was taken to the temple, so the priest who ate this bread while we were in the temple in the holy place, because this was a foreshadowing of the communion we take now. When the priests consumed this bread, they were actually entering the presence of God. And according to the law of Moses, only priests, Levites, were allowed to partake of this bread and only in the holy place or the temple. They couldn't take it to their own house. Enter Jesus in John 6. And he makes this radical assertion that He is bread that has never left the presence of God. And that in order to have life in you and us, you have to eat this bread. You have to eat Jesus. And the Jews understand that he was referring to the showbread and were scandalized. And first, the temple was still standing. And second, the showbread was still sitting on the table in the temple in front of the ever-burning candle when Jesus was talking about this. And third, was Jesus actually saying that he was edible? That in order to have life, he would have to become bread so that they could eat him? I mean, that was not what he was saying. And if you're not born of the Spirit, you can't see it or understand it. You, can, you can't see why so many people, and you can see why so many people of Jesus, they left him. They were fearful and disgusted and felt that the time they had put into following this guy was wasted. Many in the time of Jesus thought he was a lunatic and insane. And right after that, Jesus asked His disciples, are you going to leave Me too? And the remainder of them responded emphatically that they had nowhere to go because He alone had the words of eternal life. Jesus is the bread of His presence, the showbread, and you are His holy place. You are His holy place. He placed on the table. He resides in us, operates through us, and He placed on the table in that holy place in the presence of the fire of the Holy Spirit, and we have been made holy through Christ Jesus, so we are united with Him. Jesus is our showbread. Now let me take you to another scripture. Let's go to first John. I'm almost done. First John chapter three verse eight. First John three, eight B. How do you know what B means? <laughs> Part two, Yep. It says this, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. What was the purpose for Jesus' coming? That He might destroy the works of the devil. Did Jesus accomplish His task? Was it fulfilled? Then why do we keep resurrecting devils? Why do we keep fighting devils that have already been destroyed? Why do we waste our time on them? Why do we create them? Jesus totally defeated everything on the cross. The enemy, the devil, death, sickness, disease, sin, COVID, everything. You have been perfected in Christ and in Christ you are perfect and shining and clean. Every single blemish in you and on you has been thoroughly wiped away. Take joy in this because the enemy has been defeated. And he has in this little meg, all he has is this little megaphone, but you would have, I have the entire kingdom of God flowing out of our bellies. Amen? Rivers of living water. Touch your stomach right here, just touch it. Ooh, you got the kingdom right there. You got Jesus right. Mike, I'd like you to come, the worship team to come. I mean, the song of you has been sung by God himself as he rejoices over you with joy and gladness in a beautiful lyrical song about how your heavenly father chose you to become his sons and daughters, his holy ones, blameless, innocent children through the redemption we receive in Christ. And when did this happen? Before the foundation of the earth. What's your value? Before the foundation of the earth. What's your worthiness? Before the foundation of the earth. Before God created anything, you were His choice. You were His masterpiece. And we are now made vessels of His Glory fully reconciled to God through Jesus and constantly reminded by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our victory. He is our strength. And in Christ, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen? He's with us in our strength and He's with us in our weakness. He's always with us. He's our Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He He knows it's all. Whatever you're looking for, whatever you want, whatever desire you have, He already planned it. And He never thinks evil of us ever. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says He has no thoughts of evil towards us, only thoughts of a future and a hope. And for me, that's glory. That's glory. Because we have Jesus. We don't need another. I have Jesus. Amen. I can
1: stand if you like.
0: six life to the whole world to every person lord we pray for every person in the world to know you jesus to come a state to come to a saving knowledge of the finished work of christ to make confession that they need to be born again and born from above and lord we thank you for the showbread jesus you are our showbread you are the light of the world You're the light of men. You have brought light and health and healing and wholeness to every man on this earth. And we thank You for this bread. And we take it and do it in remembrance of You. Let's take together. Healing to every person in this room. Healing to everybody who takes of His bread. Who believes and eats. After supper, he took the cup, which he said is his new covenant. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. Let's do this and remember.
2: Beloved, it's time to pray without ceasing. We know that, but I'm just reminding you, it's time to pray without ceasing. I I think of Nehemiah as he was building the wall, and the enemies who were all around trying to deceive, trying to lie, with the whole futility of bringing fear to the people. But it said that Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 4, 17, those who build on the wall and those who carried burdens, loaded themselves so that they, with one hand they worked, At construction and with the other hand held the weapon every one of the builders had his sword this is our sword girded at his side while they worked that is a picture of praying unceasingly no matter what you're doing Remember, not what the media, not what the world system tells us, but what the Word of God says. Because there will be lies, there will be deception. I like what my husband said a few weeks ago. (laughs) If you have more input from mainstream media rather than the Word of God, it is self-inflicting pain. This right here is our answer. We are called to continually stay at the table with Him, hearing the Father's heart, hearing the Father's voice. There are portals open there's revelation wisdom the spirit of wisdom the spirit of understanding is available to us every altar is a portal an open heaven for us to come spend time and hear the strategies of heaven the number one tool of the enemy is lies. In fear remember I've told you before stay in God's peace listen to his voice not the voice of the world system because the world system doesn't have the answers only the kingdom of God does it's time to fight but it's time to fight in the way God is called and that's through his word. That's through our sword that he's given us. He's given us every, everything we need to win. Amen. There's even people being paid to make you afraid. Could you imagine that? People are being paid to put fear upon us. Don't fall. In fact, what Nehemiah did, he just kept building. He just kept building. They called him down. They tried to deceive him by setting up a trap. But he said, I've, I've got work to do. Because he knew, because he kept the sword at his side. He knew it was a trap. He knew it was a lie. He knew it was a strategy from hell. How did he know? By keeping the word at his side. He knew truth. He knew how to hear the voice of God, and he knew the battle belonged to the Lord. And all he had to do was keep building. All he had to do is keep interceding and have people praying continuously. Just like you said, sit at my table, Mephibosheth, as the son, continually. We are joint heirs, we are his heirs, and we have a mandate from heaven, and that mandate is to pray unceasingly. I don't know about you, but because he walks with me and he talks with me, whatever I'm doing, it used to be upsetting to me in the way of I've got to get this work done. I've got I've got this to do. But I'm telling you, I've learned when he says, stop, I want you to I want you to go here. I want you to read this. I'm learning to stop and do what he says. And there's my answer for the whole day. There's my encouragement for the whole day. It's just by listening. Not falling into fear, not falling into the fear of the world system and the world system's ways, but acknowledging his way. And that's the kingdom way. You know what? The world system exposes you to pain without a solution. But God's kingdom exposes us to hope. Exposes us to provision. Exposes us to everything we need. And He is the solution. Amen. So beloved, it's a word I believe from the Lord that says to us, pray without ceasing. Keep that sword on your belt. And continue working.
0: Amen. I'd like to close with this scripture found in 1 Corinthians 16, 30, 16, 13, and 14 in New King James. It says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Amen.